Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a columnist. I don't believe what I just saw. You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Personally, I think you got hosed on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? You know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. What about a talk show host? This is In the Booth. Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With Matt Park. And welcome everybody in the booth on ESPN Radio. Good to have you along today listening at Syracuse. And in Utica, the show is brought to you by CH Insurance. We thank them for their continued support of the program. Busy time and a busy week as uh, Seth laid out the football game coming up. We're going to party like it was 1963 with the Orange and Notre Dame meeting at uh, Yankee Stadium. And before that, basketball at Madison Square Garden, really a dream trip. And I know uh, lots of people throughout the area are thinking about that and making it in uh, one way, shape, or form. Might be a little bit of a commitment. Those of you that, if you want to include the women's game in Westchester on the way down, then the two Madison Square Garden games and Yankee Stadium, but uh, all very doable. The Friday uh, to Saturday really is a 24-hour stretch if you want to make an epic trip out of it. Paul, you're a big road trip guy. It's a really pretty good trip there. In 24 hours, you could see... Syracuse basketball in the Garden and uh, football at Yankee Stadium. I don't think it gets a lot better than that. Oh, it's going to be fun. I'm excited. I don't yep. remember a day. I, t- I mean, it's probably happened, but I don't remember working three consecutive days <laughs> in a row. A lot of people around here <laughs> would uh, attest to that. Well, uh, doing three games in a row, I don't recall. Oh, I'm sure that's happened. I'm sure it's happened. <laughs> but it's fun, and I'm Can't looking pinpoint, forward to I mean, obviously conference tournaments alone you're doing that you're just not changing location well, yeah i'm talking like football basketball in between you know yeah. it's gonna be fun and it will be uh it'll be a blast um can i drop one more programming yes note? that if matt park sounds sexier today in utica it's because he's on 96.5 fm Ooh, fm radio big difference so <laughs> i thought it was gonna be for this uh knot i have in my chest right now that's making me cough wonder if that has to do with the uh lunch i just had but uh, good. Well, hello, Utica. All the fine folks out there. So we were on AM in yeah. Utica? They can hear us under bridges now. That's my old man <laughs> joke. <laughs> so. When you have to explain what the difference is? Yeah. So. Sticks with a little while longer. Very good. We'll have a couple of football guests today. We're going to visit with one current and one former NFL player, Cam Lynch, in his usual spot on Tuesday. And because we don't have a show Tomorrow, with travel to New York, Adam Terry will jump on uh, in the tail end of the show today. So we'll go Cam Lynch and Adam Terry, a couple former Orangemen, and uh, get their thoughts on uh, not only the team now, but in Cam's case, the current NFL. Adam's going to Baltimore this weekend. He's going from New York right down to uh, Baltimore for the 10th anniversary of the 2008 Ravens team that made the uh, conference championship lost to your Steelers, Polly. It's a uh, shame. Yeah, we'll get Adam's thoughts on uh, if he's looking forward to catching up with uh, Ray Lewis and Ed Reed and the gang and that whole crew. I think he said it was going to be a pretty well-attended affair. 1963 was the year that uh, Syracuse and Notre Dame played at Yankee Stadium, a a 14-7 win for the Oranges in that one. Both teams ranked? Uh, No, this is the first ever meeting where both teams are ranked, which is hard to believe. 
It's real cool. Now, the rankings didn't go very far back in the 60s. One through five. <laughs> no, I mean, Syracuse was ranked. In, uh, in 1963, neither team was ranked. In 1961, Syracuse was number 10, and Notre Dame was unranked. Hard to believe Notre Dame was ever very far from the rankings in the early 60s. I just know they didn't really rank that many teams back then. Which uh, reminds me of a little flash yesterday. Uh, Higgins and I were having lunch at an establishment up close to campus, and the cups are in a Pepsi retro 1959 look. So we were drinking like 1959 and imagining uh, Ernie Davis and the 1959 national champions partaking of Pepsi out of cups that were just like that. A little, little togetherness there. We'll throw back, you'll throw back Pepsi action. All right, let's get to uh, some of the uh, Coach Baber's comments that we weren't able to uh, work into yesterday's show. And one has to do, this is kind of his appeal to the fan base, the Syracuse fan base, by pointing out how many Notre Damers, uh, domers they call themselves, that you're going to see uh, around the country. That's why Notre Dame was able to schedule these games um, you know, seemingly anywhere and sell stadiums out. That's how they've done it historically. And this is, in a way, an appeal to Syracuse fans to count double or triple. It is cool that we're, we're in the state of New York and we may have some fans out there. We need to come out and be loud. I've played these guys, I want to say at least six times, but maybe more. And it seems like no matter whether you're playing on the East Coast or you're playing on the West Coast, you run out there and you're like, how did they get so many people? And you start realizing that some of your fans sold some of your, their tickets to some of those guys. And uh, they seem to travel wherever they go. They're the, the nation's team, I guess you could call it. They're going to be loud. So whatever we have from the state of New York, we need to be proud and we need to be wearing our colors. And we're going to have to make up for two or three because I'm sure they'll have their numbers out there. That's not really the reason that Notre Dame tends to have a lot of fans in the stadium, that they bought tickets from the other team's fans. I mean, I suppose literally and logistically that sometimes happens. That's not really the reason. The real reason is Notre Dame is affiliated with the Catholic Church. <laughs> Notre, you know, at least uh, has that background. There's people that ad- identify with Notre Dame uh, throughout the country. They won 11 national championships. People of a certain age hold Notre Dame uh, in a certain esteem, and they're, it's a love-hate, too. There's a lot of people that hate Notre Dame, but certainly uh, follow them. What Notre Dame does gets noticed. People of a certain age, Notre Dame in the 50s, 60s, 70s, were as dominant as Alabama is now, and uh, just a different kind of animal uh, with the, the prestige and the way that that program has been built. But they haven't won a, a national championship in 30 years, and would be more than likely on the outside looking in this year. They're in the mix. <coughs> Certainly still eligible to this point, but in uh, that number three position, if the playoffs were held today, they'd have to play Clemson for the right to uh, attempt to knock off Alabama in the national championship game. So they're not far off, but they're not uh, national champions and haven't been uh, here in recent memory. They were in uh, the 2012 national title game. At any rate, this is a Notre Dame home game. I think that's been well enough chronicled to this point. People are uh, going to feel like it's a Notre Dame crowd, I think, there on Saturday, but it's definitely a Syracuse alumni area, a Syracuse fan area, a resurgent season for Syracuse fans. So that's uh, how you can start to uh, close the gap in this one 
a little bit. But really, Babers keeps coming back off of the nostalgia or, you know, his comment that we played yesterday. Is it cool to play at Yankee Stadium? Yeah, it's cool until somebody gets hit. Then it's going to be a football game. And, and so he's trying to focus this more than anything else on the football. And when it comes to the scouting report of Notre Dame, there's certainly a lot to lay out. They're solid. You know, I've been looking for a hole, looking for a weakness, looking for a chink. They are extremely solid. They, they're good with whichever quarterback plays. Their defense is doing really, really well. The, their new coordinator, Clark Lee, I believe, used to work here. And uh, I, met, I knew him when he was at UCLA, when he was one of our graduate assistants at UCLA before he became full-time. So he's doing a fabulous job with uh, that defense that uh, Elko handed down to him, who's now at Texas A&M which both of them started at uh, Wake Forest the first year we played them. So I have some knowledge of it, but these guys, the, 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 I don't use that word. The players that they are playing with on defense are really, really good. They're really, really long, and they, they have a really, really good scheme. So it's, it's the main reason why uh, I'm sure that a lot of teams have had a lot of difficulty scoring points on those guys. And then the offense is so good that you're trying to match suit with them, and then before you know it, you know, you're behind, and then the floodgates open, and then you know, the game's over. Dino Babers has kept his team close to quality competition. The guys in the previous show, uh, just I heard on the drive in, laying it out last year. Syracuse, you know, beat Clemson and had less talent on the field than LSU and Miami in road games and hung in those games. There's every reason to think the Orange will be competitive, if, if not somehow find a way to win this game. But you can't get behind early and uh, expect to win against this bunch because they're undefeated for a reason. Notre Dame's early part of the season, those games were closer than they would like. Ball State, they only beat by eight. Uh, Wake Forest, Vanderbilt, those games were a bit tighter than forecast early in the year. But since then, they've been blowing people out. Five of their last seven games have been 20-point games. They had no trouble with Florida State on the weekend. That's a common opponent. There's a a few common opponents uh, because Notre Dame is required now to play a handful of ACC teams. So uh, they had a closer one maybe with Pittsburgh and uh, and that type of thing. They have regularly played a lot of those teams over time. So more on the game as we roll along. We'll visit with Cam Lynch next, talk a little NFL, then check in with Adam Terry. This is In the Booth on ESPN Radio. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. And welcome back in the booth on uh, ESPN Radio. Good to have you along with us in the booth brought to you by CH Insurance. Cam Lynch joins us in his regular uh, spot for a Tuesday visit um, between games for the Buccaneers. And we'll uh, check in on Cam and all things around the NFL and get his thoughts on uh, Syracuse as well. Cam, how are things, man? Hey, man, how you doing, man? Things are great. Uh, just just chopping along over here, man, getting, getting to work. <laughs> Getting ready to head this way, right? Uh, the Bucks this year are playing the NFC East opponents. So uh, after a loss to the Redskins uh, on the weekend, it's uh, MetLife Stadium and the Giants next. Yes, yes. Back to uh, back to the good state of New York. Um, I'm excited about this one. I have a lot of Syracuse friends coming up, uh, so I think it'll be a great one. I hope we get two, hope we get two wins this weekend for the Buccaneers and for the Orange. Well, this is as close as they come to overlapping, right? The Syracuse game is not just in New York State, but in New York City at Yankee Stadium. And then uh, your game the next day uh, at MetLife. In fact, the team, Cam, is uh, staying in the Meadowlands. They'll be uh, pretty close to you. I don't know if you have uh, 
NFL players don't have a ton of free time, unfortunately, but the, they're tantalizingly close. Yeah, our, our time is restricted. Uh, hey, actually, it's kind of similar to college, but you know, with all the family coming in, it'll be kind of tough to get to get out and get to the guys from Q's. But I'll, I'll be sending my love from my hotel room to, to the field over there in uh, New York. Well, it's not unheard of, I'm sure, even in your time traveling with the team that you know, maybe once a season things line up where you go into one of these NFL cities and you might encounter an NFL team. I think, uh, I'm trying to think where the last place that was that happened, but you might see like you're going into Pittsburgh and as we're checking out the advanced team for, I don't know, the Ravens or somebody else is is moving in. And so it's not entirely uh, unheard of that uh, you might cross paths in the travel with uh, with football teams descending upon a, a given area. So 500 yards of offense and a loss, Cam, against the the Redskins on Sunday. That had to stink. Yeah, it's, it's a tough one, man. Uh, we're we're at the halfway point pretty much. So, you know, like I say every week, man, it, it can only get better from a tough situation. Uh, we pray. Uh, we just pray. You know, we figure, figure some magic out, man, this upcoming time. So uh, this is, like I said, the midway, midway point, man. It feels like we're going uphill. Uh, but that's, that's, what we're, that's, that's why we do this sport, man. That's why we play it. That's why we're in the business uh, for times like this uh, to, to test our character. You know, next up, the Giants, uh, Sunday 1 o'clock, Cam's uh, Buccaneers take on the Giants. And you know the story about the Giants this year, Cam, and a lot of people around here are Giants fans. We're seeing the beginning of the end of Eli Manning, and they're going to have to figure out how to sunset his career. Let, let's roll back a little bit, you know, taking aside from the fact that it's uh, probably coming to an end for him. You've told us this year about being on the field with some of the best quarterbacks like Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers. What sense do you get when you're in a game against Eli Manning? Uh, it's pretty pretty awesome because at the end of the day, too, right? He's a Super Bowl champ. Uh, he's a legend. His family is a legendary family. So, uh, in all the respect to Eli, I, I hope he finished strong. Uh, but he, he's going to have a couple this weekend with, with us coming up there. But like I said, man, you send all respect to any other athlete. Uh, he works hard, and um, he, he's he's decorated as well. So much respect to him. I'm looking forward to a healthy match. I felt uh, badly for him last night because, you know, I'd like to see him end uh, strong here. Last year, it just kind of felt too early. But in retrospect, the uh, Giants coaches and management probably saw the signs of his decline, and it, it felt like he was done wrong last year. Now – I don't think you necessarily need to bench him because they don't really have anybody behind, but you got to kind of find out who it is. It just seems to be a foregone conclusion that his time in New York is done. That all being said, I'm half paying attention to the game last night and on the first play of a possession, so it just comes out of a commercial break and my ears perk up when the Giants take a shot downfield and I believe it was Beckham open and he had to kind of wait on the ball. There just wasn't the juice uh for it to get there. And uh, I guess his quarterback's age, Cam, and they don't have the arm strength that maybe they they once did. They've got to find other ways to compensate. Is that correct? Well, yeah. And like I said, the thing, too, is the league is week to week, man. His Who knows what, what what he's going through with his arm, right? Maybe his arm was a little tweaked at that moment or that day. Uh, I know this Sunday, if we get a deep ball like that against Odell Beckham, I'm sure I hope our corners go cover that because – you know, if people get injured, people get hurt. So there's no telling what what's going on with his body. And I, like I said, I wouldn't want to, you know, put you know, putting energy out for somebody at the end of their career. But 
uh, we got to be ready for that for that deep ball on Sunday with Odell Beckham. So I can't count any ball out that uh, Eli Manning throws. How about you personally? The, the situation you're in is uh, largely a special teams player for the Buccaneers, and as you say, it's kind of that middle part of the season where uh, everybody is thinking about you know not only ending the season strong with the team they're on, but having quality tape and making sure they've got a job next year. What are the types of things that you focus on as we head into the stretch run here? I think uh, it's, it's like every week for me, to be honest, just be prepared for the uh, for the upcoming game. We've got the Giants this week, uh, depending on, you know, what happens in the linebacker position, be ready to start. Uh, that's that's my uh, preparation for every week. And I got some – I got in last week as well, like, you know, in the middle of the game. That was pretty awesome. And uh, my, my preparation helped me with that. So, um, you know, we didn't get the results that we wanted, but uh, hopefully this weekend we'll prepare again and uh, get the results that we need. Cam Lynch is with us, former Orange standout now with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Bucks and Giants on uh, Sunday. You can hear the game right here on ESPN 97.7, although maybe that's on the AM station with the women's basketball game at the same time, but we don't need to worry about that right now. Anyway, Kim, uh, as far as it relates to Syracuse, we're going to ask Adam Terry this too, coming on later with a couple of NFL players, and maybe it was high school, maybe it was Syracuse for you. How do you get up for your biggest games? Uh, nobody on the Syracuse team right now has probably played you know, unless they really had a coveted high school state championship type game or something like that. Uh, this is the biggest game in the program uh, going back to probably 2001 uh, to, you know, two top 12 teams and all that this one entails. What would be your advice in terms of being ready mentally and physically for Notre Dame on Saturday? Basically, to prepare like they do every week. Uh, we prepared for, for Clemson, we prepared for Louisville, we prepared for every team that we that we prepare for been the same every week. Um, I don't think you go out of you don't go out of your comfort zone or not out of your comfort zone, but you don't go out of your original uh, game plan when it comes to games like this, right? Uh, you make sure that the, co- the coaches make sure that their game plan is solid as a player. Uh, you make sure the distractions are minimal, just like if you're playing the Clemson, right, a number one team in the country, or, you know, number two and number three that they are now. Uh, you just make sure you minimize the distractions and prepare like you do every other week. Um, and that's the thing that some people do is they make things bigger than they're supposed to be when, at the end of the day, uh, you know, as a linebacker, you have to just make tackles and make plays. So I think for the Syracuse guys, don't make it bigger than it is. Um, and you, they've been in games like this before, so just take it how, how it is and, and go beat them. You know, that's kind of what Dino Baber's comments have been like. You know, hey, Yankee Stadium and Notre Dame, that's cool and all, but it's just a game once somebody hits somebody. Right, right, exactly. They've been in big games beforehand, so it's just like another another day, another stroll in the park. We just got to – it's just that person that's in front of us at that moment. So, um, you know, the, the goal is to win and uh, to win out. So, um, Notre Dame is just in the way right now, that's all. Well, there's Notre Dame uh, players on every team in the NFL, just about. I didn't look at the uh, Bucks roster, but I'm sure you got one or two. And uh, I know you've been feeling proud this year with uh, Syracuse in, in the rankings, so uh, you might have an opportunity to uh, to boast a little bit if they can pull one off here for you. Oh, yeah. Every chance I get, I let everyone know in the Buccaneer facility that we are ranked number 12 and that we're coming for everybody. So uh, it makes us proud, and I, I, talk, I tell everybody that, that doesn't know that we are uh, that we're balling this year, and I'm looking forward to what our coaches and our players do in the organization where they take it. Well, uh, good stuff and quick scan. You don't have a single Notre Dame player on the Tampa Bay roster. That's hard to believe. 
Yeah, so, we, we did prior to. Uh, we talked about the game, but, uh, you know, whoever they are, whatever Notre Dame <laughs> alumni are out there, uh, thank you for coming for you. Well, nobody to uh, to gloat to this week if if they're able to uh, pull off a win. But but best of luck uh, to you and the Orange Cam, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you down the road. Okay, my friend. Thank you, my friend. All right, Cam Lynch of the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You can check him out on the field, especially if you're a Giants fan this week. That's hard to believe. I, I didn't mean it literally that there was a Notre Dame player on every roster. But if you just do a quick scan of the Bucks roster, they've got a player from Hobart. I think people remember uh, Ali Marpet, who was a High draft pick as a offensive lineman. They've got Hobart. They've got two Harvards and a Humboldt State, but no Notre Dame on the Buccaneers roster. They've got an Idaho State, and then the usual assortment of uh, of the ones you might expect. They've got a Colorado State Pueblo, but not one single Notre Dame player on the uh, Buccaneer roster. Interesting stuff. Okay, back with Do We Care? Adam Terry to follow as we roll along in the booth on ESPN Radio. Do we care? Interesting. I doubt it. No, wait. The other thing. Tedious. But we will do this segment anyway. Don't care anymore. Don't care no more. So Jimmy Butler, who just got traded from the Timberwolves to the 76ers, was asked about his relationship with teammates, and he said, quote, I don't think I'm a bad teammate, but people get whatever they want to say out. I think I'm an incredible human being, teammate, and I will show that to the guys here. So Jimmy Butler, a self-proclaimed incredible human being. Yeah, humble guy too. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think this has to do with self-awareness. I think everybody th- thinks they're a good person or good-looking or a good tipper or whatever. But And that's all true until somebody calls you out as the opposite. He might be a good teammate. I, I, it's hard to say that given some of the stuff he's done lately. I think he might have a different definition of what that means. You know, does he play hard all the time? I think he probably does. Um, does he take care of younger teammates? And he probably thinks, well, I you know bought so and so a suit. I'm a good teammate. I so maybe he is. I, I think it really comes down to your definition. But from what we can see he's walked away or refused to play for a team that was paying him a lot of money because he didn't like the direction of it or, or what have you. That doesn't look like a good teammate to me. Now it, that's put to the test. He goes to Philadelphia. It's a place that he clearly signed off on being that he wants to be. They're a better team. And you know, maybe at the end of the year, we'll have a better feel for whether he's a, a good teammate or not. I would imagine at the end of the year, if you ask the Sixers, they'll say they enjoyed being around him. Would That'd be my guess. Usually I would say if you have to tell people that you're an incredible teammate, signs probably are pointing to you not being an incredible teammate. I'm trying to think of who, I'm looking at the Syracuse rosters over the years, or who I know Devo's classic great teammate, but I don't know who else you could put Well, but those are guys that people from the outside think are jerks. Yes. And their teammates like them. Yeah. You know, Deion Waiters would be in that but category. Draymond Green, I guess, not Syracuse, but someone in the, yeah. the NBA who seems to be like that kind of sort of person. Uh, either you guys Fortnite people? No. I no? tried it. You did? Yep. I have it on my Seems PlayStation 4. Seems like it's addictive, to apparently, to everybody else. I kept, fly- I kept flying up in the air on something. I don't know how I did it. And <laughs> kids were calling me all sorts of swear words. And I, uh, and I uh, quit because my self-esteem was crushed. <laughs> well, the Vancouver Canucks, they've banned video game consoles on road trips because their players were playing too much Fortnite. They wanted their players to hang out together more, go out to dinner and stuff like that. 
But the players are saying that Fortnite is actually what is uniting them yeah, because they play together, trouble. and they're international guys, most of them. So all of them, I guess you could say, speak Fortnite. So I really, they're they're taking away something that is helping this team bond together. Yeah, I would think they're better off with this than without. There's other things they could be doing. I, I think if I was the general manager of a pro team, and for the most part, the guys all hung around the hotel, I'd be pretty happy yeah. with that. And you so would I, so, I would yeah. keep it going. Particularly in a sport like hockey, it's not a baseball pitcher who, David Price, you would fear could actually get carpal tunnel or mess something up by playing video games eight hours a day. These guys, not really. You know, the motor skills that it takes to uh, shoot a puck with a stick are a little bit different. Uh, I, I'd be all for it. You know, you know, I would. I don't know if I would encourage it. I would say, hey, guys, keep it yeah, reasonable. Get, get your sleep and all that other stuff. But, but they would be missing sleep for other reasons if they weren't doing this, probably. It is very addictive, too. It's a very addictive game. Yeah, I'm, I'm terrible at it. I can't stop playing, though. Can't. Okay. <laughs> you got some time on your hands, don't you, Sounds Tommy? Sounds like my life. A little bit. <laughs> right. Uh, the Warriors, they're selling an in-the-building pass for $100 a month, which just gets people into the building. You can't see the game. You just have access to the bars and the restaurants in the building. $100 I, a month. I really like the idea. Is this for their new facility, or is it current? Current. Current. <laughs> I could totally. It's a great idea. It really is. I wish I thought of it first. I think there's only a few places that you can pull it off, and one would be an NBA type facility that you have to have these these types of clubs and bars, restaurants, or whatever in the facility to begin with. Um, City Field, it would work awesome at too. Right? Yeah, places like that 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 have City Field. One thing that makes it awesome is it's got a lot of. Uh, it feels like a baseball park, and there, so I don't know that I necessarily agree, Paulie. If you were to say only places where you can't, you have no view of the field because all of those you kind of do. You know, it's the concourse, yeah, well, they got the, the stuff the around bars, the right. It's the got a lot of uh, really neat, and those places are fun to be. I mean, I that's what I do in my spare time is I go to major league baseball games in the summer and and have a blast. I could totally see this working. the The mentality of certain people that go to games and want to see and be seen, and you can go to lots of bars and restaurants, I guess, but the, the, these have a little bit of a different atmosphere and it's not for everybody but uh nothing to lose on the part of selling it good is, for them is it really worth a hundred bucks a month though just to be in that i think the you're type not of watching people, the game yeah the type of people who would be in the market to spend a hundred dollars a month for that aren't worried too much yeah. about a hundred dollars a month fair i i don't know i i would want if i'm going to the arena i would want to be able to watch the game in person i have to watch it on a tv you you're know? different yeah fair all right, all right. fair enough these are socialites. Yeah, I mean, there's just... They I want to what, be around the I other think fans. what people are understanding is there's different ways to consume the product, and the product is different things to different people. There's a lot of people who couldn't name one player on a team other than their favorite team in the NBA or more than a handful of players around the league. They, that's just not what turns them on about it. What turns them on about being there is it's the place to be in Oakland on that night, and the glitz and who else you might see and who's in the building and the kind of atmosphere at the bar and and what have you i mean to me i'd have to i'll have to pay more attention to the next building we go to and think about the next arena if this was only thought of as bars and restaurants like a mall food court next one is would, madison square garden yeah would you pay to hang out here well no i mean madison square garden yeah. that's not what it's known yeah. for that's not what makes madison square garden nice mm-hmm. um in fact madison square garden up until a few years ago, if you want to use the phrase nice, it wasn't nice. No. 
you know, it's it's been redone. It's okay. It's not. It doesn't blow you away. I mean, it's it doesn't compare to Detroit, and a ton, Louisville. A Tom Thomas <laughs> had a funny story about Madison Square Garden yesterday. Like we've been there where they had the circus right. the night before, and you walk in and it smells like animals in there. Like, yeah. Yeah, the dog show and everything else. I mean, Madison Square Garden is epic for lots of reasons, but it's not because it's well-appointed, mm-hmm. at least not until recent years. So uh, good for them, and I guarantee somebody will follow uh, in the Warriors' footsteps. They're also, I'm sure, bracing for the fact they're, they're going into a new arena in a very expensive part of the country, and it's going to be oodles to do anything uh, at their new facility. So uh, interesting stuff, and the rich get richer. Thank you, Tommy. No problem. More In the Booth when we continue. Adam Terry on the other side. This is In the Booth on ESPN Radio. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. In the Booth on ESPN Radio. Good to have you with us this afternoon in both uh, Syracuse and Utica. Last show of the week, we're traveling uh, through the rest of the week, on the road literally during the show tomorrow with the basketball team, then games Thursday and Friday nights at Madison Square Garden. Then we'll catch up with our next guest on Saturday in the Bronx at Yankee Stadium, the Orange and Notre Dame, number 12 versus number 3 for a 2.30 tilt Saturday afternoon. Adam, uh, how cool is this, man? And it's the start of a big weekend for you as well. Oh, it's fantastic. You know, a great opportunity, you know, as you kind of go back through the the – history of Yankee Stadium and what it's meant to college football and and pro football it's going to be a pretty cool atmosphere to go in there and you know see a very very meaningful game will this be your first time in the new Yankee Stadium well I went to the pinstripe so okay. I went uh, I was able to see that there but it was uh, from a different vantage point and you know this is a highly ranked Syracuse team versus a highly ranked Notre Dame team so you know, if you look back on it, it's probably one of the best games that'll ever be played in Yankee Stadium. That's for sure. You know, back in the day, obviously, the New York Giants called the old Yankee Stadium home. Syracuse and uh, Notre Dame played in Yankee Stadium back in uh, 1963, which is uh, kind of fun as well. And and uh, these teams have had a great history, even though it's only a handful of games, uh, five sure. games to three in, in Notre Dame's uh, favor. But uh, the Orange with the win and South Bend and the uh, Greg Robinson era, November of 2008, which was a really exciting game, and and some others over time. The Walter Reyes game here in the Carrier Dome was certainly impactful. Uh, the theme I thought we would have today, Adam, is how you got up for your biggest game. We kind of asked uh, Cam Lynch about that as well earlier in the show, the advice that he might have for the team. But for you, whether it was a uh, high school section championship or something at Syracuse or in the NFL, you are going to celebrate the, this week the 10th anniversary of the AFC Championship game in 2008. How did you sleep the night before, and how, how did you build up to the biggest ones? Well, I think for me, it's you, you look at this, and um, you know, if I was a player today, so I'll put myself in the shoes. You know, you're going down, and this is a Notre Dame Army game that you know, New Rockney is win one for the Gipper during the middle of the locker. You know, during halftime. And, you know, seven blocks of granite went down there, and I'm just a historian of the game. So whenever I went into a, an environment, it was, hey, what is what does this mean? You know, whether it's a Pittsburgh Steeler game or whether it was going down to West Virginia for a Schwarzwalder trophy, I had to kind of just put myself in the perspective of the guys that had played before me and, you know, honor them. You know, go out there uh, 100 miles an hour. So from, from where I sat, Usually in the locker room, um, it's that slow build. It's it's one where 
you know, my go-tos were different types of genres of music, but, you know, I always reverted back to, it's called The Ascent from the Last of the Mohegans, played by the Royal Scottish Orchestra. And if you've never watched it, it's a James Fenmore Cooper book that was then put on in probably mid-90s. And that's where I'm from. So I'm from the Glens Falls area. And, you know, I just pop that on and think, you know, hey, some some of like, hey, if, if I've got to go out there and I've got to go, yes, it's not war, it's not battle, but if I've got to go throw my body around, I have to get in the right mentality to, to, to do so. So that's, that's probably one of the, one of the things that I would do. And it wasn't yelling and screaming or anything like that, but it was a, uh, it was a controlled rage. So if you can put that into perspective, it's one that you're going out and you have to play in a, a calm demeanor, but it's also with uh, packing full a lot of violence and, um, you know, you're just flying around. Well, that's what I was going to ask because it obviously can work against you, right, to get too foaming at the mouth for your biggest game. And, you know, I don't think anybody's hiding from the fact that it's the biggest game the program has played since 2001. It's just the challenge of the players and the coaches to focus that energy. Yeah, it's interesting because you bring up, you know, can't go high too too high, too low. And you watch Quentin Nelson this week from Indianapolis <laughs> and what he did against Jacksonville. The whole time he pulled around on a power scheme, he was screaming. I've never seen that in my life. So he comes around the edge and he and he decleats one of their safeties and he's screaming the whole entire time. And it got a lot of publicity, but I've never seen that. Most of the time you're dealing with, especially my position, offensive line, you were calm, cool, collected, but you also knew if something went down on the field, you were right on top of it. So it's uh, it's not the zone, I guess, like people say, hey, I'm in the zone, but it's probably a, a closer feeling than um, anything else. Like you, you're cool, you're calm, collected, you're on top of every movement, and it's almost like the matrix where things kind of slow down. Visiting with Adam Terry, our uh, Syracuse IMG Sports Network analyst. He'll be with us on the weekend when the Orange take on Notre Dame, 2.30 Saturday afternoon. You can hear the game on uh, TK99, of course. Quentin Nelson, by the way, a uh, Notre Dame alum in his own right, uh, now with the Colts. And How much uh, film have you seen here, Adam, at this stage? Have you gotten into the nitty-gritty of it? It looks like they're getting better as the year goes on. And uh, Brandon Wimbush played really well in the Florida State win, but uh, Ian Book back in the saddle this week? Well, I think a lot of attention is drawn towards the two quarterbacks. And even Brian Kelly, when he was talking about it after the game, the one thing that's the the big differentiating factor at the beginning of the season, four games missed for Dexter Williams. And he's the guy that really drives the ship. Yes, the quarterbacks have been doing a better job. But when Brian, Brian Kelly talks about the beginning of the year, he goes, you know, Brandon Wimbush didn't have Dexter Williams because of you know personal issues with his family but when if you can stop him you can draw that point total down so you know when you played Pittsburgh they beat him 1914 but he only had 31 yards rushing same with Northwestern it's a 10 point spread and he only has 56 yards now at the beginning of the season they're only winning by seven uh eight seven they really blow out Wake Forest but towards the end of the season, they're doing such a good job of getting that ball distributed around from the quarterback position. 
this guy goes and pops off and he's good for at least a one to two touchdowns a game. And that's been the, that's been the elevation of points for, for Notre Dame right now. So, Hey, it's going to be a big day for Ryan Guthrie and a big day for Kylan Whitner, but that's going to be the focus because he's not, he's not just a running back that can between the tackles. He has that dynamic speed to get down the field. In the games in which uh, Dexter Williams has played, he is averaging 128 rushing yards a game, has 10 touchdowns, 6.8 yards per carry. Defensively, Clark Lee was here. Uh, a guy that he was kind of connected to in his career is named Mike Elko. Elko had been at Wake Forest. Uh, Clark Lee worked with him there for a short time. They both had been under Dave Clawson at Bowling Green, and now they've gone their separate ways. Elko to, with uh, Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M, and Lee did a nice job. Brian Kelly's tough to work for, but uh, not if you're undefeated. Yeah, and, and when they're getting as much of a, of a rush and tackles for loss out of that front four, it's really, you know, they're, you know, when you look at the depth chart, they're really about 10 to 12 guys deep on that, on that front side, and it's 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 marvelous. You've got a defensive, uh, a junior in Khalid Kareem who's got ten tackles for a loss, and and then the edge rushers just keep mounting and mounting the sack. So that's going to be a tough task for kind of an offensive line that for Syracuse right now that is known to give up sacks. They're known to give up sacks and pressures, and that's a little bit because of Dungey's style. He he tries to find a seam and gets going. But it's going to be a huge test for uh, Coach Cavanaugh on that offensive line to go against this uh, high-powered defensive line. All right, my friend. Well, I'm excited for it. And then uh, you will continue on on the weekend, the uh, 10th anniversary of the 08 Ravens. Who are you, uh, in the last 30 seconds we have here, who are you looking forward to seeing the most? Uh, you know, it's, it's good to always go back, and you spend a lot of time with your offensive line brothers and there's uh, there's a, a whole host of them. You know, Marshall Yonda is still playing for Baltimore, and you know, go down and see a couple guys that uh, you know you you get to watch a Yonda, a Flacco, potentially a Flacco, depending on how his injury is. But Terrell Suggs and Sam Cook, the punter, and just to see how they've been able to stay with an organization and really um, go through the test of time, that'll be a good point. And then you get to see everybody on defense and. You know, Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, and, you know, Terrell, and the, the list continues. So it'll be a great event, but uh, the biggest thing that I'm looking forward to this weekend is the Syracuse winning Yankee Stadium. Yeah, well, if, if that happens, then uh, it's all gravy the rest of the way. Uh, certainly could be a tremendous three-day stretch if the uh, the number of wins that they could pull out in, in that period. If, if it's just three, then uh, there'll be a lot of Orange fans smiling from ear to ear come Saturday evening. So, Adam, thanks for the time. As always, best of luck. All right, see you then. Safe travels to uh, Adam Terry. We'll see him in the Bronx Saturday. Well, that's going to wrap up the show for today, folks. We'll be back uh, certainly on the radio with you Thursday night in the Orange and Yukon from the Garden, the next day against either Iowa or Oregon, and then Saturday at the uh, Yankee Stadium against Notre Dame. For Tommy and Paulie, I'm Matt. Thanks for listening, everybody, in the booth.